Hello and welcome back to Fine Beats and Cheeses, the podcast that we want to blow up, but not to spontaneously combust like a drummer. My name is Leslie Grace Streeter. I am the columnist for the Baltimore Banner, the lifestyle columnist. I am a an author and a speaker, and I just talk a lot on uh, on podcasts and hope that people notice. Anyway, my uh, co-host is... I'm Lynn Streeter Childress. I make theater for young audiences. And I don't speak in a fake British accent. Um, <laughs> that is okay. Um, so we have a really awesome guest today um, who Leslie has been um, trying to get on for a while. And um, it's, yay, it's, ha it's happening. Um, <laughs> can you introduce yourself? Yeah, yeah. Uh, my name is Brant Hansen. I'm a longtime friend and admirer of Leslie's work and uh, from South Florida back in the day when she was down here. So that's how we got to know each other. I just, I love her writing style. And I think we have some overlap in her writing style actually. And I, I, I like that a lot. So anyway, that's, that's how I know Leslie. Oh, thank you. And we do have overlap. We're both people who kind of like, I, the way that I describe it is we talk like we write. Thing. That's it. And yep. so I feel like if you, before I ever had a conversation with Brant, I felt like I knew him because he's on the radio. He's so conversational in his writing. He's so conversational and so funny and so vulnerable. And I try to do that too. Also, he's very funny. Um, I think the last time I saw him, me and him and Sherry had sushi and cocktails <laughs> like for lunch and we're like w people watching and stuff and it was hilarious and um no one recorded that conversation so it was <laughs> it, it, it was pretty pretty cool um so brant what are we here to talk about today this morning well i wanted to talk about spinal tap because it's a it is like a formational movie for me and that might disturb some people but and they're talking about i think they're doing a sequel i think that's a thing like it's actually happening so it's it's more relevant than maybe we we realize. I just saw that a couple of weeks ago that Rob Reiner's said, "Yeah, it's a go. We're doing this." So, I you know whether that comes together or not, I don't know. But anybody who's played in any band knows, or how about this? Is even been involved in some sort of an enterprise that's really going well, and you can tell that it's running out of steam, like it's it's starting to fail. Like this, that movie is just so resonant at such a deep level it hurts so that's i think that's why i'm a big fan of it you put the pressure on by saying i'm funny there's no way i'm going to be funny now during this podcast <laughs> as soon as you put that out there like you just killed any possibility of uh, dang yeah. it well sam yep. can fix that in, in editing he can do something with that i i editing. think um, no pressure here either thanks <laughs> i'm just going around with the pressure bumps um <laughs> One of the things that I love about this movie, which if for those of you who don't know, it's a 1984, quote unquote, mockumentary rockumentary by Rob Reiner about a, an English band called Spinal Tap, including the obnoxious umlauts um, in, in the title um, that it's a group of British guys who I think the trick of the movie is that everything is almost realistic. It's just slightly stupider. Um yes. Like they, their Queen had a song called "Fat Bottom Girls," and they have a song called "Big Bottom." It's the same song, just really dirtier. And with there's no innuendo, like and dumber. Queen, yeah, and dumber. dumber. Queen was clever about the innuendo. They're just just like 
cushion and pushing, you know, it's just, it's so terrible. But the, the thing of it is that everybody approaches it completely seriously, which is why about nine years after they had like a reunion and they acted an actual tour and a new band and I mean, a new album and stuff, because what's that face you're making, Lynn? Oh, no, I'm listening. This, this is so sad. This is my actual listening phase. <laughs> she was doing like it looked like a oh no lies i'll have to oh no 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 it's great okay this is i this is what my sister called that's not a resting bitch face that's my resting face bitch. i know i'm so sorry no it's really my thinking face looks like i'm disturbed and i am i distressed is what i meant to say and i'm very sorry those of you all can't see this who are listening to this but just take my word I thought Lynn was nice. Anyway, um, anyway, so that's the, the thing about the movie and going back almost 40 years later and realizing how many axioms both of like- Totally. Yeah, rockumentaries. Yeah, so in, in the, the cameos in here is Fran Drescher and Billy Crystal plays a mime. Oh. <laughs> the waiter. And so to talk about Big Bottom, the song, it's, it is indecent, but it- to me, and I'm not a fan of just I love indecency, but I love I love mocking indecency. And that's what this thing does. It takes it to the next level. You should notice too, everybody for that song, everybody on stage is playing bass. <laughs> they all have basses in their hands. No Didn't even notice. Guitar. Yes. And so when they did that song live, it's just so this it's just this they're all walking around with bases and they take it so seriously that this is real art which throws the entire like heavy metal genre or hard rock genre from like 70s and 80s under the bus <laughs> and, and that, that makes me really happy too because I, I grew up in a small town in illinois and everybody was into slayer and megadeth and you know all this and to see something that so mocked it and you're right. The funniest stuff to me, too, is it's like it's almost right on, but there's something five degrees off. That's the best stuff to me. I don't want slapstick. No. I want subtle stuff that's just that if they just stay there in that place. And it's the funniest thing. The other thing, I actually got to interview Rob Reiner once. And I can't remember what it was about. It was about some movie. I, I don't even know. They didn't last. But I asked him about spinal text. I'm like, there's so much of that I still think is funny. I, I said, are you tired of it? Because people have to come up to you and they're like, how's goes to heaven or whatever. They'll quote a, <laughs> this goes to they'll quote, he said, you know what? I am not tired of it at all. When people come up and they say lines to me, I will start cackling and laughing to this day. It's still hilarious to me. And I thought that is pretty cool. Well, and it's one of those things I think Lennon had said she hadn't realized that she had never actually seen the movie all the way through. Nope. But like so many people, you know what the if you say it goes to 11, oh, that's Spinal Tap. If you talk about Stonehenge, people know what it is. <laughs> people haven't even seen the movie. Yeah. And it's so big. And I think a lot of it goes back to the, the writing and it goes back to the acting and the fact that um all of those actors played their own instruments that they yeah. were actually playing. Um, right. And that's part of what made it, you know, I've seen a lot of, I love Josie and the Pussycats, which I think is kind of like the stupider version of this, uh, um, yeah. but they weren't playing and you could tell they weren't singing it. and you could uh. tell. And so there's something about watching these guys that, you know, that's them singing and playing it. Just like I said, it's that authenticity, but just stupider. 
Yes, well, and the and the unblinking unwillingness to like just to not face the fact that you're failing. Yes. Like, yeah. <laughs> so, well, one thing is that um, I didn't realize this. Besides, Patrick McNee has a um, yes. cameo, and this is the head of the record label. <laughs> His is the only that he does this whole speech. It's the only thing that was scripted in the movie. That's Everything right. else was improvised. They yeah. gave them a like an outline of what was supposed to happen. Like right. what seemed like this is what happens in the scene, but it was all improvised. And so to, to me, that's brilliant. The stuff that they came up with, especially the whole thing about how all the dramas died. Um, so those of you, right. so this is Spinal Tap. Um supposedly again it's a mock everyone keeps laughing because it's so funny it's a supposedly a tour documentary by what what was rob reiner's name in the movie the um a documentarian who's following oh, marty yeah. marty marty so i can't remember Mc, uh, not mcfly it's good let's go look it up marty mcfly is funny yeah. um is um following them on so supposedly final tap had been big like in the 60s and 70s yeah. and then they were embarking on this tour of the states in the early 80s and as the movie goes on they keep getting canceled in places yeah. people say canceled but literally their show literally movies. canceled yes um, right. they they would arrive to a venue to a city and they'd be like, Yeah, the show's not happening today. <laughs> and they could go to one place where they were supposed to have like well, it was they have like seven rooms, but they booked them in <laughs> one seven suite, but they booked them in one suite on the seventh floor, something like that. <laughs> I mean, and so... by the time and by the time they got it straightened out, the the show was canceled. Yeah, the show had already been canceled. Right. And um they were playing like smaller and smaller venues, but everyone who was there was very pretty much very excited to see them. But it was just smaller and smaller. Well, then, yes. it, then it goes to a, they, they actually book a theme park and they get there and on the marquee it says puppets and then underneath <laughs> it also spinal tap and they very seriously are like hey that should say spinal tap and then puppets <laughs> they want to have first billing over the puppets over the puppets and i wish i remembered all of them i meant to last night take notes there were several places where there were really funny things that were on the marquee. It was like yeah. them and like some other weird <laughs> thing. And I can't, I wish I had taken like screenshots of all the other bad acts that they were. Well, okay. So there's another scene too, which, which hits you in the heart as a, again, as somebody I played in, in rock band, you know, and, um, but it hits me in the heart as an author too. And that is when they do the signing, they do an album signing at a record store. And it's just crickets, and all four of them are sitting there at the table, and there's no one walking in. <laughs> Who hasn't been there? There was this uh, thing that happened on uh, Twitter about maybe a year ago, earlier this year, where there was this uh, author, and she's at her signing, and she takes a picture, and there's no one there. Oh, and that hurts. everybody, like big authors, are small authors medium authors authors like me who had a good day every once in a while are like going oh no this happened to me this happened to me just the idea like i've been at places where it's like me and my parents me my mother and like my kid and a bunch of books and it like one so person bad. comes in like, i did a barnes and noble recently actually we didn't do badly but i was just, um holding my breath until somebody came over because I was like, they're going to hate me and I will be a failure and no one will ever book me again. 
and that that yeah that hits you in the freaking heart yeah it does I, I, i'm sorry go ahead no i was like i produced uh children theater for a young audience it's with professional actors and um one of the first public things we did we rented a space in dc and we were doing two shows and i we almost two people just happened to come to the first one and then this with there, there were so three people in the cast and two people in the audience Perfect. And and then the second show, I think it was the same, but we had friends actually who were supposed to come, but they got stuck in traffic. So we were supposed to have five people, but oh. it would but it was that kind of thing. There were more of us <laughs> on stage than there, there were uh. in the audience. And that just hurts. And because the venue, it was a great venue, is taking the money anyway. Like they don't care. Like you've already, you already paid, paid them and you're making no money. And I had to pay the actors, of course. And uh-huh. um yeah. This yeah, so, I've been there. so this is this is gets weird and psychological. And I do want to go there in a little bit, like why this why this is so resonant for some of us, not all of us, but some people. I, my theory about why this resonates with some people, and it's really funny to us. And other people just cringe. It's not funny. They have frim shaman or whatever, like this cringe for somebody else. But that's it. They don't like it. Um, I played a gig with my band in Illinois. They asked us to play at a, now you can, this already sounds doomed, but they're like, you guys are really good. We want you to play at this Rock Home Gardens. It was called an outdoor Amish theme park. Oh no. (laughs) Which you think can't exist, but it does. And it did. And they were like, we're starting to, we're starting to get local bands. Sometimes we do, we do mainly full country bluegrass, but we thought it'd be good to have like a modern rock band one day. So it was a Saturday afternoon in June. Like we'll get a big crowd. You meet on the main green. Yeah, but it was we got there. It was raining. And it was record cold for that day. Oh. It was miserable. No one in the right mind is out at an outdoor theme park. They still wanted us to play. They moved us inside yeah. the barn and set up oh, chairs. Oh. The only people who walked in, six Amish people, and they sat like three quarters of the way back, like way back far from us. And we did this. They're like, I'm like, you seriously want us to play? Yeah. I mean, we're paying you. <laughs> so we did a full on rock show. We actually rocked harder. I threw in some rat breaks over the intro. <laughs> we, did. I mean, we were electric. We were like, they sat there to their credit. They put up with just taciturn, just Aww. staring at us. And I'm like, this is. Anybody who's had that kind of experience when you watch Spinal Tap, you're just like, man, I have been here like you've like, like you went through. But my theory is for, for Monty Python as well, is that if you've gone through some pain in life, like when you're growing up, like some serious pain, you're more likely to, to get it. I don't know how else to put it. Like, no, I absolutely get it. If you've gone through rejection or just awkwardness, I mean, the thing about yeah. that when you're watching Spinal Tap, you understand that these are stupid people right. at, who <laughs> happen to luck in on a moment where they were hot and everyone was wearing tight pants and they were singing. Vi- the songs are so catchy. I mean, that's the thing. Just like that thing you do or Josie and the Pussycats or those things with really or like um, the producers and where you find people who write an amazing musical or musical um you know, out set of albums or whatever in a universe that's slightly silly and dumb. Um, 
but these are guys they're not super good looking they're okay looking they're not the best musicians they're just okay and the, <laughs> fact that the thing and that that to me that's the humanity of it is because how many of mm. us have imposter syndrome where we go right. i have no idea how i got here and eventually like when they're in the uh hotel where they uh, they got the one suite on the seventh floor and yeah. a bigger um musician who is uh, duke, rep, duke somebody yes whose yeah. uh, rep, rep is uh howard husband who yeah. we we love late great Howard husband who we love and they're like yeah we gotta go because we have to go and sit in the lobby and wait for our for the limo i'm like we gotta hurry up and sit in the lobby and wait they didn't want to they want to be seen with spots that and that's everybody has a moment where you're like eventually someone who is better than me is going to show up and everyone's going to see it just takes them longer to figure out that it's them it's just like when Michael McKean's character's on the phone, he goes, oh, yeah. he's like, oh, yeah, they canceled us and whatever. And then they canceled us and such. And then they're going to cancel whatever. It's like, do you not get the pattern? <laughs> you are being canceled. Um, and it's just and nobody the, the cringe is the lack of self-awareness, because we yeah. always hope that if we are failing miserably, that we will get it and like crawl home and cry before anybody else catches on to it. I just I think when you've been through stuff though too, it's like it gives you this sense of absurdity where you see you see life through that lens already. So you watch in a movie like this and it's just it just it's almost affirmational. Like the world is absurd. Um so I I, I really do think that has a lot to do with it. And uh, I I I've known people who've had relatively pain-free lives and maybe even shared that. And they I have a hard time connecting with them on a sense of humor level. Uh -huh. I really I don't know where to, I don't know where to connect. Well, you know, I wrote a funny book about death and yes. people, people, there are two kinds of people, people who were horrified by that and shunned me and people who understood what I was saying. That's to me the in, the, in this world, the, those two kinds of people, because they understood that absurdity is found in pain and absurdity and stuff you have to laugh at. Like and guys, if, those of you who have not read my book and please read my book. It's, it's, I like it. Um, I'm like eating chips in the graveyard, trying to figure out where to bury my husband. And my mother's going, don't trip, drip chips on the dead people. And we're like, ah! and people are like, those barbarians. I was there. They, yeah. Why are they laughing in the graveyard? You know, because that, that's the kind of thing like people would say, oh, you're laughing in the graveyard. Like it's a bad thing. And we're wearing, you know, red to your funeral, like Cher and, and uh, Moonstruck. Um, yeah, you know, I just really think that this movie, first of all, it's just funny. It's just, and it, it's almost 40 years and there is nothing that is dated except no. for the technology. There also, you see movies like that and go, oh, is there going to be something racist or terrible? No, no, there's nothing racist and they're supposed to be terribly misogynistic. Everyone got the joke. Yeah, again, it's, it serves it up to, to make it absurd, which is very satisfying. Isn't there a joke in there about them being racist about somebody saying you were racist because everybody was white isn't isn't oh there i forgot that um, yes. yeah it's so funny so the person the thing that made me laugh though you're talking about um pain is so um david who is um uh, michael mckean um shout out to lenny from um laverne and shirley but anyway uh michael mckean uh his girlfriend in the movie is janine who's horrible but the funniest i know her whole thing is funny she basically no one likes her 
Mm-mm. And so he says, oh, Janina's coming. And Christopher Guest's character, Nigel, goes, oh, she's just coming to drop stuff off. <laughs> Made me laugh so hard. She just coming to the States and because nobody wanted her to stay and to be there. And I don't know why that just took me out, but it it's took true. me out. Um, it's but so she was, It's so subtle. It's so it's subtle. So- but it was yeah. so horrible. But that whole thing about how Basically, those two characters, Nigel and David, had been friends since they were little. And she was like, you know, the Yoko. And she comes in and stands between them and their friendship. And that's basic level stuff that somebody is coming between you and your friend and you feel displaced. And I felt that. Yeah. So there's a there's a they're doing a callback to the Beatles, pretty obviously, with like the John Lennon, Paul McCartney friendship thing. And even the song like the Beatles have that two of us going nowhere, sounding somewhere. So and then these guys in the spinal tap like do 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 do. So they're going back to the songs they wrote as a kid. Oh, right. So there's the fact that they were like, well, we have two visionaries in the band and they both that's hilarious because because their IQ together it's again it's the so I heard a long time ago there's nothing there's nothing less funny than unpacking humor like this but humor is is overlapping but incompatible frames of reference so Mm -hmm. if if you're gonna make a math equation out of it which is horribly unfunny that's what it is it's overlapping incompatible frames of reference so spinal tap just does that just askew where you got these guys in the tight pants and everything getting ready to rock but they can't find their way on the stage that was the scene where funny um nigel has to be lifted up off of the stage and he's still playing (laughs) and he's got the ridiculous makeup on that and the the part because so many of these documentaries that start with beatles type people have them there in their mersey beat you know gray suits and stuff and their skinny ties and so it starts with a very innocuous sounding song and then it's like you know what i'm saying well maybe you don't and then it goes give me some money (laughs) you know what i want (laughs) or maybe you don't (laughs) and that's when ed begley jr was their drummer, drummer. their first drummer <laughs> who died because they all the drummers died um yeah that they, that song you know what i want and maybe i maybe you don't give me some money is <laughs> hilarious so leslie went through a phase in the early 90s where she was really into the dave clark five i was and that Ooh. reminded that was all like Dave Clark Five stuff, yes. and then they get into like their Birds era, yeah, um, like everything. I was like, I know who this is supposed to be. I know who this is supposed <laughs> to be. Um, That's exactly what was going on, and I, I love too, like when they do the throat when they're in that hotel, and like, hey, we're on the radio, and they all <laughs> gather around the radio and they're listening to each other, like singing along, like his like nodding, like remember those days, and they're they're listening to. Them. And then the DJ comes on. He's like, "From the where are they now?" File. That's <laughs> what's that. <laughs> that was so just the, just the energy of the room just deflating so bad. <laughs> it's just once again, uh, and it goes back to the self awareness. I don't know one public person. All of us on this Zoom have, in some ways, been public facing. And there is nothing you don't want to be the person who stays too long at the party. I had a friend. Um, in West Palm Beach, I used to go to church with who was a little older than me and he was divorced. 
and he's and he wound up getting married and finding a really wonderful second wife but he was like my fear is being the old man at the club and i think everybody knows what in in any genre you don't want to be the person who stays too long and your stuff mm-hmm. is being marked down until it's free you don't want to be the person who is like who brought their father with them why is her auntie here oh it's her oh that's so sad and yes there's a lot to be said for not being a places that nobody wants you but i always figured like i i wanted to age out of the desire to be at places that i that nobody wanted me to be so if you said if you said to me right now let's go to a club i would go sandwich mm-hmm. club crackers <laughs> club tropicana the delightful whamsome oh you mean a club no i'm in bed by the i don't even, I didn't even put my contacts in today if the contacts are in they're out by eight mm-hmm. if not sooner there's no cuteness the it's like I'll, i will walk in full makeup come back downstairs and brooks is like what happened i'm like life my friend <laughs> it just happens the other Do side it. of that though is everybody still does want to be keith richards <laughs> yeah. which is why we oh, keep man. pushing past that moment because you might be keith richards and 700 years from now people are still watching you play and nobody's keith richards there's only one keith richards even and someone... to be honest he's mostly he's mostly preservatives at this point <laughs> yes yeah, I don't know. I I did a thing recently where Sherry and I did like a little tour our, from our show. We go to affiliate cities and we did both did some stand up as part of this tour. So it's good sized crowds. My wife was there for like the first show and I'd written all this new material. And I mean, I could feel a sweat trickling down my sides as no one was laughing at anything. No. And you know what? I didn't feel sorry for myself. I saw my wife sitting there. I felt sorry for her because I knew she was feeling sorry for me. So I was like doing secondhand, feel sorry for me. And actually, I was like, she's watching me die on stage. And so we all went to Applebee's afterward because it was open. And we just kind of did a debrief, like what went wrong? (laughs) What went wrong? Ethlyn does. No, I am... There's a street festival here uh, in Annapolis and during the summer, during the warmer months that we got invited to do, but kind of like busking and we had space in a park and the first set was supposed to be like storytelling, but it was like too early Mm. because nobody was really out. And literally I do stuff for kids. It's like I'm out in the street going, children, come listen to me. And it was really weird. And like, they were like, no, thank you. And I had one friend who like was there listening and then a couple of people, but then later in the set, me and a friend of mine sing, that got the people, but people were not trying to hear me play drama games at 11 o'clock AM on a Sunday. Mm-hmm. They were like, no, thank you. But it was very, you just feel like that. You're like trying to get people in like, it's it's great. It's fun. And they're walking past you. Like I'm drinking my lemonade and pretending like I don't see you. It builds character. It does. It yeah. does. I'm doing it again next week. But yeah. but again, yeah. I, but I, but you said you learn from it, right? The debrief. You kind of switch the act and decide yeah. this thing yeah. works for this. Yeah, and it got better. But I, I do think there's something deeply funny about failure. Oh, I, I don't think everybody gets that. But I, I do feel that way. I even did stand up at the Improv in West Palm. Oh. one time I didn't invite any of my friends didn't invite <laughs> my family I told my wife stay home I'm like I'm gonna go down in flames so hard 
and I opened up for an opener for a comedian or whatever. So it was a full crowd and nobody had any idea who I was. I didn't have a single friend there. And I thought, I'm going to go, I'm going to die <laughs> on stage. I'm going to get my car keys and I'm going to drive home. And it went pretty good. I was almost, I was like, it was kind of strange. It wasn't what I expected, but I, I literally awesome. thought if I, if I totally die and no, like that's, that's a story at least. So <laughs> I'm kind of like, there's a weird thing in me where it's like the failure itself mm -hmm. is something really funny. And I, I know most, most people can't, they don't get it, but that's fine. Once again, that's why, and that's why Spinal Tap is funny. That's why, like, uh, what was it? One, uh, God, what was it? I can't remember what it was called. The movie was early 90s. It was um, uh, Steve Buscemi and Brendan Fraser and Adam oh. Sandler. Airheads. Airheads. Where mm. they were this metal band that locked themselves in a record store, record studio, radio station. Radio station yeah. um, and, ref and, and that, once again, really dumb people. But yeah. that's, the, that's the thing. If you can... And all those people are very, you know, in real life, Adam Sandler, super smart. Steve Buscemi, super smart. Brendan Fraser, super smart. Playing really dumb, unself-aware people who have what they think is a great idea and it's going down in flames. Um, and the movie was hysterical because you're watching it going, do they get it yet? That they're, And of course, it's, you know, the 90s. So people begin to like rally or whatever. But it's just, an, it's just the idea of saying we are committing to the fact that this could go terribly wrong. Right. And I think I think there's something about failure that's way more entertaining. I really do. Like the Fire Festival documentary. Like it's uh, riveting. You can see it coming. Like it, uh, but there's there's something about watching something go down in flames that's just it's really hard to take your eyes off of it. It can be highly entertaining. Inject it in, directly into my veins. Like the fire well, festival, yes. The fire I've watched that several I've watched times. both of them. There right. are two of them. Yeah, there's one of them that's better than the other. There yeah. is. Um, it's the one where the guy admits he was willing to take one for the team to get water. Oh Lord. That was yeah, wild. that was that was certainly arresting. Like the whole the whole thing. But I just, just wonder about that. Like um if that's like that's a whole genre practically watching like you can watch you can watch the Theranos documentary about Elizabeth Holmes or whatever her name was, like all these the Uber guy. The, there's all the these Uber stories. guy, the um, WeWork guy. I'm currently Uber. before it, but this morning I was finishing up the one about Jewel, the um, the e-cigarette thing, which they realized was addicting children to nicotine. Whoops! Um, <laughs> it didn't see that coming. And it literally they talked to the. This is why this is funny. They talked to this old guy who used to do marketing for like one of the big tobacco things, because that they were like. And everybody is stupid involved, but this is real life that they go, okay, so you can't advertise tobacco on TV or get a billboard in Times Square, but you can for Jewel. What is Jewel? We don't know. And they marketed it as like technology where it was like a funner way to addict your children to drugs. So to, to tobacco. So they interviewed this guy from like um, one of the big, uh, you know, tobacco things and he goes what they needed to do was to take everything they learned in their classes on marketing and throw it away <laughs> <laughs> because other people were just like with spinal tap are watching this blow up and go do you not understand and just like the it's the hubris I, that's what i'm gonna say the the yeah. difference is i'm watching spinal tap and i like these guys i don't want them to fail yeah. even though they're failing mm -hmm. i felt no 
um, release or relief or joy in them failing because they were just incredibly dumb guys that you, they were nice, but whatever. But you watch like Fire Festival and go, I want everybody involved to go to jail. <laughs> I want jail time. And he's back and he's doing another one. Oh, these people, they don't stop. But it's like, um, yeah, the, nar the Spinal Tap guys aren't narcissists. They're just yeah. like um, unaware. But well, from the very outset, the first time I watched that movie, and from the very outset, they're doing the interview about the, you know, we lost this drummer and we used to be called the Originals, <laughs> but there was another band called the Originals. And so... Like yeah, we, we were the new originals, originals. <laughs> it's like well, what happened to that drummer and he's like well you know the police decided that it was best left unsolved <laughs> because and you can tell it's improv they're like well you know because you know you can't figure out whose vomit is whose how do you identify somebody's vomit oh, so Lord. you choked on somebody else's vomit <laughs> which of course it's a back to like yeah. Jimi you Hendrix who yeah. yes who who uh yes vomit who choked his own vomit also you have to remember that this was done in 1984 where right. so much of this stuff that they're referencing was only 15 years old it had only right. it was semi-recent it's as, it's more recent than the 90s are to now because that's how no, old we are it's still and i would say it's more contemporaneous than that i mean there were bands doing that stuff in the late 70s early 80s and actually there was a big controversy about that because i can't remember if it was iron maiden or who it was that was like hey you're making fun of us that's about <laughs> us like you're self-identifying yourself like, you're, <laughs> like they're like this isn't about a specific band and then you're saying this is about us and we're not that stupid no. Iron Maiden very much had a Stonehenge moment. <laughs> oh, did they? <laughs> they, they very much had because they're so prop heavy, right? Um, and I don't even remember what it was, but there, there was something that was definitely not according to original plan on one of their sets, right? Oh gosh! Um, and just... one of the things is Christopher Guest. I was I've been looking through Spinal Tap interviews for the last couple of days, but he was saying that the whole point of Spinal Tap and the reason it works is because they haven't failed they have just haven't done what they thought they did he's like because because he's like the band is still playing he's like yes yes he's like we're still playing we sell stadiums out in 2000 whatever it was he's like so spinal tap is still succeeding just not in network not succeeding in any way that we think we are no. so the and funniest i'm sorry go ahead. just just to your point on on failing but not really failing is um to me, the funniest TV show maybe ever, besides British Office, is uh, Fly of the Concords. Oh, and, yes. Uh, like, they're they're picking up on that, like, yes. doing a, who who likes to party at, a, like, an exhibit <laughs> in a fully lit, like, exhibit hall with one person standing there and no one paying <laughs> it. Like, it's just, I, I, I just love that. It's so good. And they're one groupie. Yes. Chris oh, no. and Shaw, who was just the best unhinged in, in the best way and that it, that that every time i hear jermaine clement on something and i think <laughs> about how brilliant he is and i think that he should be i mean yeah. he's huge star i think he should be uh what what's that idiot the one that's trying to overthrow the government uh the one that wasn't joking about being stupid russell brand um oh. the as big as he was here that's how big jermaine clement should be 
Um, yeah. but because he's actually talented. Um, mm. but that show was so funny because you're watching it on HBO at like <laughs> eleven thirty at night, going, Am I the only person watching this? And then you would look around and go on social media or whatever, like, no, other people are watching it too. And you felt like you were sharing and something that was cool, which is kind of like the spinal tap thing. Because if you guys who are listening, and I always say the caveat, I don't know if any young people are listening to this. I don't know why you why you would you be. But if you are listening, the fact that in 1984, for something to go the equivalent of what is now viral with no social media, with no yeah. email, with no internet, it was truly because somebody shared something with someone else, and then they shared it with someone else, and then somebody played it, and then it was the, – the, they ordered us an extra video at Blockbuster, and then there were two, <laughs> and then people got really excited, and then there was, like, someone programming a college uh, – movie theater who did a showing we did we had one at university of maryland this was like not even i mean i went to college in 89 so this movie was just five years old uh when that mm -hmm. came out and they showed it somewhere in my um my hmm. career there at university of maryland at the hall between 89 and 93 and so people came to it like it was i think that's the first time i saw it people came to it like it was um uh, Rocky Horror Picture Show, um, but um, I'm gonna lose some friends here. Less pretentious and no meat being thrown at the screen. Anyway, yeah. um, so, I, but, I, oh, I let me ask you a question because you're you're more savvy with this stuff. All three of you, I'm sure. Is this the first mockumentary, or is it something that preceded no. it? Something or the okay. Ruddles were the same movie. Yes. Oh, that's right. Which anything Eric Idle does is gonna be fine, but yeah. It was like it, it was it was sort of a sort of a a a a pre pre spinal tap spinal tap because spinal yeah. tap definitely polished it. And then yeah. I'll go you one better. Spinal tap, everybody in there polished it better and then did um a mighty wind. Oh. Yeah. And the oh, Forceman, yeah. which was as Waiting a movie, even better than Spinal Tap, as a collection of moments, not even close. Yes, absolutely. That, that, Christopher that's... Guest is a brilliant mock. He's, mockumentaries are his life, and he's brought them to a thing. I quote yeah. him all the time. Lynn and I would like do Parker Posey's thing at um about being at the DQ. Yeah, <laughs> working oh, from Goffman. Yes, it just and you know Lynn being a theater professional, that was very right. you know right. appropriate to her i mean he just he does such a good job of finding that's the difference between like the fire festival people you like the people in christopher guest movies even if they have no clue what they're doing and they're doomed to some sort of failure you you care about them because they're not terrible people for the most part and which is when you're watching the dude from we work going we're gonna call it we live and we learn and we eat and we we rap and we're ever like oh no i want terrible things to happen to you and terrible things never happen to these people they live with me and they start up and they go oh and here they are again starting a new company they're still super super rich and hot why are you still rich and hot it's not fair um i have issues but um I, I love this movie so much. Like I said, it just it was refreshing to watch it and realize that there was no, I could except for some I'd have to fast forward some of the lyrics, but I think my son would think it was hilarious because he understands the the beats like the uh, I'm sure he knows the 11 thing. He's a bassist at 10, 
you know, we had a guy from a local music shop here last night delivering him a bass and they're like talking about how to do the thing. I'm like, I don't know what movie I'm, I'm lost in. Um, but there's something so universal about wanting to do really well and wanting to be famous and wanting to be, um, to have people love you and know you. And then just like, so once again, not know when to come home from that well, party. And, and also like doing it with your friends, you know, like having yeah. a, having a history with people, except for the drummers who keep dying, but like everybody else, you a know, brief history. what'd you say? A brief history. A brief Very. history, exactly. But having, and oh, I'm sorry, the, the one drummer who they interviewed in the bathtub and they're like, aren't you scared that like all the drummers <laughs> died? That was funny. But, um, but again, again, this thing of like, you mentioned that thing you do briefly, which is a movie that Leslie and I reference often. And one day we will actually do a whole episode on it. We had Jonathan Shaq from that sh movie here. And Leslie and I kind of went off on a, he, we weren't going to mention that thing you do until he mentioned it. And when he mentioned it, all bets were off. And we were like, uh, and he's my friend. So he knew it was going to come up eventually. We were like, every time he's like, he will tag me when he's like with Tom Hanks. I'm like, ah. Because he knows it, it makes me happy. But yeah, go ahead. Yeah, but just saying, there's something though again about um, Spinal Tap, about doing this with your friend, about Harry Shearer who came in later, um, Derek, right? That's his Derek. name. Yeah. Oh my God, the part where <laughs> he's in the cocoon thing and they can't get him out <laughs> for the whole song, and then the rest of them go in the cocoons at the end of the song, and then he finally gets out. Then he tries to get back in, but he can't get his whole body back in. And he's like hanging out of it. Oh, Lord. But something, again, about doing something with your friends, and they have this thing where they kind of like part ways because Nigel leaves because Janine is horrible and driving everybody apart. But then at the end, they get back together. And it's really this really nice circle of the boys broke up but now they're back together and they still don't really know what's going on but it doesn't matter because they're together and there's something very I don't know there was something very comforting you're all comforted not knowing what you're doing but you're together mm, I like <laughs> that I like that a lot it's like comforting. marriage we don't comforting. know what you're doing for sure but the comforting thing for me honestly this sounds terrible but coming from a nerd and you know small towns illinois indiana and all the guys play football and they're all in a heavy metal and they think these guys are cool like the whole thing just showed just how ludicrous this metal thing is and that just was like a balm for my heart so i don't know how else to describe it like i just felt like score one for the nerds like to make a movie like this this is was very pleasing well, extremes are funny. Extremes, it wouldn't, the reason like that this and the Mighty Wind, a Mighty Wind are made by an association of the same people, that my, the Mighty, a Mighty Wind is about folk and it's whatever, but they lean into the sometimes pretentious, you know, ludicrousness and ego of folk and people who are pretending that they have no ego and that it's all about peace or whatever. And that yeah. this is about the bigness of like the whole 11 thing. The reason those of you who have they know what that reference is that they have an amp that goes to 11 and marty uh debeggy says why don't you just make 10 louder well and he says to 11 <laughs> because it's like no you don't understand it's different 
This, this is I. <laughs> it's a whole different thing, and it's really not, but it is because there's another button. The button has a different number on it, and that's why it works. Um, this has been so freaking delightful, and we have to like bother you and have you back to talk about other things. Um, it's we absolutely do. Um, so now that we have gone through this, do you believe that? Uh, spinal tap is like a guilty pleasure or something. And if it is, do you care? I don't know. I don't think so. I think it's pretty darn smart. So I feel okay with it. The only the only thing I would be like, if someone listens to me and they're like, you said spinal tap's a good movie. I showed it to my kids. I'm like, it's not for your kid. This is satire, <laughs> right? So the thing is like with your 10 year old who plays the bass, well, here's what I did with my kids for certain, like Monty Python and certain things I'm like a huge fan of. Just use the YouTube clips. Yes. You know, so I can just I can hand select it and then not show the stuff I don't think is appropriate. And then like like but but I could still handcraft that sense of humor with these kids. Like I right. I took that on. I didn't want my kids to go through the pain I went through to merit the absurd sense of humor, but I did want the absurd sense of humor. So I had to I literally put them in the bunk beds and read Stephen Wright quotes to them oh. before bed night. <laughs> I mean, we would pray together. And then I would go down a list of Stephen Wright quotes just to handcraft the absurd. And I think I nailed it. That's excellent. When, when you yeah. said bunk beds, I swear I thought you were going to say basement. <laughs> <laughs> just a little bit of the pain. Yeah, oh. yeah a little bit. Well, this oh, has been good. so delightful. Brant, where can people find you? Um, uh, podcast Brant and Sherry podcast is what it's called, and um, and then my books are on Amazon and stuff. If anybody's interested in that sort of thing, trying to write good, so books are great. Thanks. And Thank I you. I'm a part of uh, Brant's uh, fan uh, Facebook group, um, because I just. I, I I it's fun and the people in there are fun. You like you feel like you find people. I'm not in there that much. I'm not on Facebook as much as I used to be, but you know everybody who's in there is pretty cool. You know, yeah, there aren't like Thank super you. terrible people. Yes, no one who's the people from uh, Firefest are not probably in there. Maybe they are. I doubt it. I, I doubt it too. <laughs> anyway, guys, thank you so much for this. Um, thank you, Lynn. Thank you, producer Sam. Thank you, Brant. Um, and as we always say, keep it easy, keep it breezy, keep it cheesy. Bye bye.